Hey guys, so the other day I wrote this article called A Checklist for Layer 1 Blockchain Investment. And the idea is that if you look at Layer 1 blockchain systems, they're like economic ecosystems, like the nation states, like we talked about before, right? So, but if you look at economic ecosystems, there are various factors of why some ecosystems thrive while other ecosystems die. And this is such an interesting topic. There are, you know, thousands if not hundreds of thousands of books and treaties written about these topics and it's very complicated and uh, you can um, there, there are basically a lot of interesting researchers a lot of theories about you know why some countries thrive why some countries become empires and economic superpowers even if they started small and you know they didn't have much resources and why there are countries that just you know don't grow or don't create much value added in the long term you know countries like uh i i don't want to name names but you can think of many right in in south america for example there are countries that used to be very promising um and they have a lot of natural resources supposedly having so much so many you know natural advantages for grow their for growing their economy but it just didn't happen so a lot of people study why these are, you know, things are like this and many theories are being created. So I wrote this article based on this framework uh, from Michael Porter, which is a, um, in fact, a, you know, a company, a microeconomic researcher, it, like uh, he researches about companies and what makes companies tick. Um, but he has this framework that basically lays out like four conditions for an economy to thrive. I'm not saying his work is the best or anything, but it's like provides a reasonable framework for you to like hang your thoughts on, right? And to, and to you know, uh, you bounce ideas off. So in that sense, I, I find it quite useful. So in this article, I talked about like four aspects of uh, factors that will allow a economy to thrive, both a you know nation-state economy and a uh, quote-unquote blockchain nation-state like virtual economy in the metaverse, right? So there are four kinds of factors. Number one is uh, you gotta have sufficient availability of input resources like human capital and financial capital and uh, infrastructure, and secondly, you should have sufficient competition but not like so cutthroat so 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 nobody can throw can can survive that kind of competition but you have sufficient competition that at this level that you know it's a motivating factor but it's not like a killing factor <laughs> for the players um, that are trying to innovate in your ecosystem and the third factor is that you should have a uh, basically up upstream downstream into um, industries and you know suppliers and uh, um, customers uh, uh, of different uh, basically the players within the ecosystem being suppliers and customers of each other so that they can help each other out and forming these industrial so-called industrial clusters that they can you know basically um, uplift uh, one another and uh, bring the ecosystem uh, progress along with them and fourthly the fourth factor is the quality of the domestic demand which is quite important especially when you are as an ecosystem when you're small because 
you know, as an entrepreneur, if I produce a product, I need my customers to give me feedback about whether this is I'm heading the right direction, whether this is uh, something that the market will want or not, right? If if the if the customers, um, if the domestic customers do not give uh, the correct market signals, so to speak, then it will impede my ability to compete internationally. In other words, cross chain. So uh, that is the analogy that I was drawing between if you look at what makes a you know a, a economic ecosystem a physical economic ecosystem thrive uh, the same principles can be applied to blockchain ecosystems so um, a lot of people send me questions and uh, we're going to look at some of them today okay so um, the first question from devouring beauty and uh, this person says uh, centralized exchanges already on ramp funds funds to layer twos, which are fast and will be faster as time goes on. Outside of the need for speed for some future game, what's the other differentiating use case of Solana and other layer ones, uh, alternative layer ones when uh, L twos exist and inher inherit security from Ethereum with low fees? Okay. So this is something also uh, a lot of people uh, <laughs> on Twitter uh, is uh, trying to debate with me about this. Basic basically, I was saying, you know, the layer twos are all well and good on Ethereum, but they're not going to kill the alternative layer ones like Solana or Terra or uh, Avalanche of the world. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think the reason is to me, the the main reason is is uh, you know those ecosystems they have their own base supporters, they have their own you know group of fans, they have their own token hodlers, just like Ethereum, you know. So uh, when you are in a ecosystem, if you're in the Ethereum ecosystem, and that's all you do it's sometimes hard for you to see that there, there there is actually you know other thriving nations out there um especially if you're a big country you know like i live in the united states i can tell you most people in the u.s that that's all they care about is the u.s <laughs> they don't know what's going on in the outside world and especially if you go to the central part of the country it's even more so the case because that's that's all they need to know because the country is big why would they why would people be interested in caring about other things that exist in the world? Uh, but you know, there are thriving ecosystems and there, there are uh, thriving communities outside of uh, existing, um, the, the older layer ones like Ethereum. And uh, they, they, they're, they're now going to die just because Ethereum de developed a layer twos. And also um, there are pros and cons uh, of, of different scaling solutions. And there is no one solution that has all the pros without cons. And uh, um, as the alternative layer ones, right now we are calling them you know, alternatives. In the future, when, when they grow bigger, you, you, will, you would just call them layer ones. Uh, it, it's just like uh, you know, by, back in 2000, uh, before 2017, or I think before 2020, you hear this this uh, uh, this phrase altcoin, right? 
that's like anything that's not Bitcoin is a altcoin. It's because Bitcoin was all there was. But nowadays, you you heard you hear this phrase less and less and less. And especially when you hear people use this phrase, usually they are people that have been in this ecosystem, have been in this space for for a long time, and it's it's a lingo that inherited, that they inherited historically. Okay. So, um, but what I'm what I'm trying to say is. Um, if you look at uh, the alternative layer ones, there are different uh, segments, different sectors of applications being built. They have their own DeFi, they have their own NFT, and uh, they have their own games. And the uh, players in that ecosystem, it's very easy to interact it, it, uh, with other players in that ecosystem on the same base layer. And that is advantage of, uh, you know, of, of, of being in a alternative layer one versus a layer two of a existing ecosystem. Um, and there is, uh, you know, arguably more segmentation going on. Now, you can argue, hey, that's not actually a big drawback. In the future, you have bridges, you have, you know, cross-chain solutions that will make that a non-issue. And that may be true, but at least that's not what's happening today, right? Today, you have new apps are being built and new projects being launched on these alternative layer ones every day. And a day when uh, better scaling solutions are not being deployed is a day when these alternative layer ones are going to grow. And to, and, and to, some, to a certain point, when they have grown to, sufficiently to a certain point, it becomes the network effect becomes harder and harder to ignore, right? So, uh, I, I again, I'm not saying I'm pessimistic about Ethereum layer twos. I'm definitely not. Okay. So the 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 newer solutions, um, the zk rollups and the, you know the Stark, uh, when they come out, uh, I I will probably invest in them. Uh, but I will first need to see the traction first, right? I, I will first use use uh, use the product first. Um, and see if you if, if I like them, but you know I, I I will probably I will probably invest because that's that's uh, definitely something that that you have to do on Ethereum. You have to scale and you have to find better scaling solutions. But that does not mean those solutions will kill the alternative layer ones. So that that's my point. Okay. So um, I I think sometimes people when when we are invested in one ecosystem, we tend to get a little bit overly emotional and overly, overly defensive and we think everything else is shit but that is just not true okay so um, and similarly i don't think the alternative layer ones will kill the ethereum layer twos either and the other point i want to make is once a layer two gets big <laughs> um, it becomes once once the layer two gets big and it has its own token and the token is being used for uh, for the transaction fees on the layer two, and the layer two has its own staking system, has its own verify uh, verification, uh, you know, uh, 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 system. Uh, it becomes more and more like a alternative layer one. Okay, tech tech in in the technical sense, of obviously, it's very different. But from the end user point of view, it, it, it will look very, it will feel very similar. Like, like to me, if I want to, uh, you know, 
jump from Ethereum to Avalanche, it, it, it feels very, very similar to jump from Ethereum to Arbitron or to Polygon or to something else. Uh, so um, for, for, the, for the end users, for the majorities of end users, I just don't think people will care. And so once the, the layer twos, if they are competitive and they have their own tokens and their hodlers will be their own communities, it, 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 will, be an, it, it will be very similar in terms, in terms of va value accrual and creating their own network effect. It will be very similar to an alternative layer one. So um, the bottom line is, if that's the case, I, I don't think the majority of value accrual will be onto Ethereum. Uh, it will be onto the onto the layer one and its own token from an investment point of view. From a technical point of view, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a different solution uh, to a alternative layer one. That's true, but as an investor, I don't care. <laughs> I care about where the value accrual. Um, so, so yeah, so that's that. Uh, next question from B. What's your view on Cardano as an ecosystem? Uh, I have no view because I have not seen any apps built on Cardano. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know how good it is or how bad it is. Uh, and I will not invest because I would only invest in things that have already got traction. And you, what are the chains that have gotten traction? It's very easy to find out. You can you know, go to a website like uh, you know, Dapp Radar or DeFi Llama you can look at how many projects are being built on each chain. What's the value locked? What's the growth of users? You know, different metrics. It's all laid out in the open, and it's it's a it's it's a very obvious thing. And uh, uh, the the token, uh, uh, the layer one's market cap, or layer one or layer two's market caps, um, they. In, it's, it's not like a, such a close tied one-to-one -one relationship, but you can see a pretty clear relationship between the market cap and the network growth in the, in the ecosystem, in terms of wallet, in terms of transaction volume, in terms of TVL, in terms of how many apps are being built on these chains. So, um, but when there's no uh, apps on this chain, I just don't know what to say. Okay, because I have no information. Um, next question from Baker Street. Uh, open source creates more competition and innovation because anyone can build upon and improve your idea. Incentives are not always destroyed either. Okay, so this is in response to something, uh, a, a point that I was trying to make in my article. I said there's this... Um, you know, blockchain has this great culture of open source, right? A lot of projects are open sourced and people can, you know, stand on the shoulders of other giants and uh, create continuous innovation. And that is one of the reasons why the innovation is uh, happening uh, faster in a open system like public blockchains compared to um, some of the traditional more closed uh, gate systems, right? So, but this, anything has a double-edged sword, right? So it cannot be, um, for, for people to be entrepreneurs, they, you, you have to give people incentives. The incentives uh, 
the, the, the bottom line at the end of the day is uh, people have to be able to capture some type of rent, some type of rent from their unique IP, um, at least for a period of time. If it's perfect competition, uh, there's no capitalism. Uh, it, it, that, 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 will be, that will be an incentive destroyer for sure. So I, I, again, please don't see this as a black, white, black and white statement. I'm not saying open source is bad. That's definitely not what I'm saying. I'm saying there needs to be a balance. And sometimes I see people kind of, you know, saying like closed sourced projects is bad. I think that's dangerous. Uh, because you're kind of, it's kind of like the political correct uh, woke culture <laughs> in some parts of the world, unfortunately. It just makes people shut up and uh, stop speaking about their own truth. Um, not good. You know, in, in the long term, I think that's, that's an incentive destroyer. Uh, again, everything is a balance. Open source is a great thing. Okay. Um, next, not worth from not worth my batteries. What, what, what are your thoughts on meme coins like Sheep and Doge? Okay, so, um, I, I have I have some of these coins. Um, I have a little bit. I, I I don't I don't see them as a investment. I see them as like being fun. It's a fun thing to hold, a little bit, uh, because you know they, they they can go they they can go up a lot because you you never underestimate the the power of meme and the power of culture, right? And but on the other hand, there is really no underlying economic demand for um, at least so far, right? In the future, I don't know, maybe people invent something of, of value added out of uh, using the sheep or doge network, I don't know. Uh, but but in, in this sense, they are quite similar to Bitcoin. Um, it's a system that is running on a, uh, running on social consensus, running on the belief that you know, this thing has value and we, we prescribe value to it and it, it's got, uh, uh, you know, a certain token economics that does not impede with the, uh, with, 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 with the social consensus that this thing has value and, and therefore it has value. Uh, so this is the same, same uh, rationale for uh, Bitcoin, for meme coins, for a lot of NFTs that does not have any intrinsic utilities, right? So um, there's nothing wrong with this. And uh, th these things, they can go up a lot, especially in the current environment where uh, there is a uh, asset shortage and people are, you know, desperately looking for yields and looking for alternative things to invest in. Uh, on the other hand, because there is no underlying uh, uh, un, like a, there is no, so to speak, a floor of demand from underlying economic activities. For example, on Ethereum, you always have that demand as long as there are activities on chain, as long as there are NFTs and uh, DeFi apps and games are being uh, being used on chain. You will always need Ethereum. You will always need Ether, right? So that that's that's what I mean. The underlying economic demand for this particular currency or token. Um, but things like Bitcoin or, or, or Doge or um, 
cheap. They don't have that. And most of the NFTs, at least so far these days, don't have that. So that just means the price is going to be more volatile. And uh, the, a day when these things don't have underlying economic demand uh, is a day that price will continue to be volatile. Uh, so I, uh, this, is, this is a great thing if you're a short-term trader. If you're a vault trader, this is like a dream come true, right? You just, if you're good at reading charts, if you're good at um, reading like short-term indicators, like sentiments or, you know, on-chain activities, you're tracking wallets and things, things like that, then you, please go ahead and play this. Uh, for me, I'm long-term investor. This is not something that I would uh, put a lot of money in. Okay. Uh, next question from Niasha. What do you think is the balance of VC funding and decentralization? Uh, commu uh, uh, parenthesis, community ownership. Developing the system requires funding for sure, but heavy VC involvement by de may demotivate the 1,000 true fans if incentives are not aligned. Okay. So this is in response to something I said in the article. I said, uh, um, you, because one of the criteria, one of the item in the checklist is, is there financial capital, sufficient financial capital available for the investments needed in developing this ecosystem, right? So there are different ways to get money. Um, VC is one way. <laughs> you can do like a token sales, you can do a SPAC, you can do, uh, you know, uh, other other um, other ways of uh, of uh, you know collecting investments. Uh, the, the the reason why I bring I brought up VC, and uh, I said basically there is a group of people, especially early adopters in crypto, that um, that think VC is shit basically. Uh, don't touch anything involving VC because these are vulture capitalists or whatever. I think this is more of a political st statement rather than reality. Um, so <laughs> the the funny thing is we live in a time where when people the it, the general sentiment is people everyone is very frustrated, right? Because uh, wealth inequality has been going up and the wages are not catching up with uh, uh, asset prices and uh, income inequality is going up and you have all these uh, different and social instability is increasing so people are finding it harder and harder to actually get ahead so to speak in society and we are living in this time. I think that's that's one of the main reasons why there's so much resentment and suspicion about so-called establishment, the traditional institutions being 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 in hedge funds or governments or venture capitals. Okay, so I, I that's that's totally reasonable. That's totally um, understandable, but it doesn't mean that these sentiments are directed at the in the right direction um I, there are 
underlying reasons of why you know think you know inequality is going up and wages not going up fast enough. Uh, there are many structural reasons for this, like you know globalization, demographics. Uh, these are a technology change. These are much bigger factors than anything a single government or a institution can do. I think sometimes people are overestimating the power of any institutions. And especially people who have different kinds of, you know, conspiracy theories of uh, how, you know, these people in the government or in hedge funds must have these grand plans that has 20 steps ahead and just to, you know, connive these uh, uh, grand plans, uh, evil plans to, to fuck up everybody else. I think they are giving <laughs> institutions too much credit, to be honest. Uh, you know, decision makers in any institutions are human beings and human beings are intrinsically short-sighted. We basically tackle whatever problems we have at hand. We have very limited foresight of what will happen what our actions will actually, uh, the butterfly effects they will create, uh, two, step, two steps or three steps down the road. Uh, either we cannot see it or it's too far ahead and we just, you know, uh, there are more urgent things to resolve so we just cannot afford to care. So in, in, in any case, how we get where we are as a society it's very complicated and I don't think it's fair to blame the institutions, though it has been become, is that the establishment, the institutions have become a punching bag of people's frustration. So all this long-winded rent, this digression is to say that uh, I, I think pe people are hating on VC money uh, for reasons that are less substantiated than they seem. Uh, to me, it's very simple. You have a project, you need investment, VC is just wholesale funding, right? You, you, if you need 300 million, you go to two VC or three VCs instead of doing a public offering and, uh, and offer and, 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 and collect investments from, uh, 10,000 uh, small investors, which in many cases are much harder to deal with, <laughs> right? So um, that, that's why, you know, companies don't go public unless they, you know, uh, unless they are really, really ready to go public. Because um, it's, it's, a, it's a transaction cost and it's a huge cost on its own. You, you basically, when you're in the public market, you're dealing with, uh, much smaller investors in batches. It, it's a it's a full time customer service uh, uh, <laughs> customer service cost. Uh, sometimes much greater than the cost of having to deal with uh, a few larger investors. So if wholesale funding makes sense, you should use wholesale funding. Um, that's that's how I see VCs. Uh, it's like uh, obviously situations differ and uh, in different in each and every deal the these the power the negotiating power of different parties always differ but you know these days with so much money flowing in crypto uh you know and there there, there are so many people with money 
in this space and everybody can set up a fund you know I can set up a fund you can set up a, like a hedge fund or a VC fund tomorrow and call yourself a fund manager or a VC investor it's very easy <laughs> okay so um, it's uh, so 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 I, I, I don't think this this argument is so clear-cut anymore and uh, and and there are also a new tier a new uh, generation of uh, so-called venture capitals that work very differently um, than traditional venture capitals as uh, most people uh, understand so um, but but on the other hand these are professional investors and they are supposed to be investing in technology so they're supposed to be doing their own due diligence and doing your own research about the space and uh, in, in other words, doing the job for you, the retail investor. <laughs> so if, if, so that's one reason why I say if, if a project, especially if it's layer one project, meaning you need a lot of investment, right? So to, to, to get the thing off the ground, um, you, and, and you don't have any VC involvement, then I wonder why. <laughs> Uh, is that is that a conscious choice or is that because you couldn't get anybody interested because when you get the right right wholesale investors on board it's a asset not a liability so um, I, I think you you have to you have to look at this case by case but in general if if I see there's no there's no institutional investor so-called institutional investor involved or there's no whales involved, I wonder why, <laughs> right? So at least that's the question that you, sh you should ask. It's a checklist. It's not like, uh, it, it's not like uh, 10 commandments, right? So these are things that um, I think questions that you should ask just as, as a way to do your own due diligence. Uh, and the other reason is because when you have uh, a institutional player involved, in other words, someone with deep pocket uh, involved in your layer one, uh, they also are more likely to get involved in other projects that are built on your ecosystem. And that's what you want, right? You want to have a steady and reliable stream of financial resources available to invest in your ecosystem. So when a uh, institutional investor invests in the layer one, that's only the first step. There, there, it's a, it's a, what it tells you is it signals that um, there's more funding coming to, to, to back whatever are going to be developed on the ecosystem. And if the ecosystem is going to thrive, think about it, you're basically bootstrapping a country, right? Out of thin air. It's going to take a lot of financial resources. So I don't see why not using, uh, you use uh, wholesale money. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's my response. Um, next question from John King. Uh, he's saying, lay, okay, uh, could Amazon AWS create its, what, its own uh, L1 blockchain uh, marketplace uh, metaverse and allow it to be used by the public and allow uh, DAPs, SAPs, and uh, token economic governance like other layer ones, and do it at higher scalability and lower cost. 
and have an inherent advantage in money infrastructure and network effect uh, and they will outcompete these uh, semi-decentralized layer ones. Uh, so um, I, I don't think that's a hypothesis anymore. I think that's already happening in reality. I just checked my Kindle the other day and I noticed I, can, I got free drop of Kindle tokens from Amazon. You know, Amazon is telling me to, hey, you can use these tokens to exchange for, I think it's some kind of, some kind of stories or some kind of short, short books on Kindle. I don't know. I'm sure this is just like one of the many things they're, they're doing and using uh, tokenization. And maybe one day they'll run their own uh, blockchain and open up the system for anybody to be able to build uh, applications on. Uh, that could happen. Uh, so, but it, it's at least it's not happening right now, right? Um, and and I, I think for good reasons, because you, if you already are a large company, you have a, a business model that is working very, very well. Uh, why, why, why are you looking to cannibalize your own, uh, your own, uh, your own babies, uh, to, 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 to go invent, uh, to go something new that is not, uh, nearly as profitable it's, I'm not, e not even on, not, not, not even like one tenth, uh, one hundredth or one thousandth profitable. <laughs> Cause most of the, you know, the, 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 the blockchains, uh, if you look at it's especially the alternative blockchains like uh, Solana, Avalanche, uh, these chains, they're, they're not quote unquote profitable in if you look at the system as a traditional company, right? It's because you know, the trans, trans, transaction fees are very cheap. So if you look at the company revenue uh, perspective, uh, they're not having much revenue. Uh, so you, you, you cannot expect Amazon will give up every, its own, you know, AWS or traditional hosting and e-commerce platforms and go full on, <laughs> build a public blockchain and uh, encourage everybody to do that, uh, to, to, to build, build on top of that. Uh, but on the other hand, but th this is the so-called innovator's dilemma, right? The incumbent, they don't invest in the new technology because it's not profitable uh, because they don't want to, uh, they don't want the new thing, they don't want to invest in a new thing that ends up competing with their existing cash cow, right? Uh, but on the other hand, Amazon also knows the innovator's dilemma. <laughs> Those are sm smart people, right? And they're very innovative. Uh, it's, and it's, a, it's an incredible company. It's hard to be in, uh, so innovative when you're so big. Uh, so um, I, I, I think they will. <laughs> they will have, uh, they will venture into the blockchain space. Um, in, in some 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 uh, shape or form, uh, they will have their own tokens. They will have uh, tokenization of some of the products and offerings and services with tokenizations, uh, without a doubt. How far they will go, uh, that's a totally different question, uh, because there is there are disadvantages for them being a you know a bona fide corporation to be offering a. Um, 
public blockchain that uh, it's essentially its own economy. Um, you you see that Facebook tried to develop its own stable coin and was being repeatedly shut down by the government, right? Because the government doesn't doesn't like the corporation playing nation states. Um, when you are um, public blockchain, you you're not a corporation. You're not you know. <laughs> Uh, you're not already a uh, gigantic uh, going concern that is profit driven. It, it, it's, a, it's a very different uh, proposition. Uh, so I, I, I think in terms of governance, uh, in terms of flexibility, in terms of how far uh, the, it, it can go in the blockchain space, these uh, current, uh, you know, governance models of public blockchains have some advantages over the traditional enterprises, even if the traditional enterprises like Amazon can still offer a centralized blockchain like uh, Binance a Smart Chain, right? And they can do it better. Um, so actually, Binance Smart Chain is a good example. It's, it's very cheap. It's uh, very you know uh, very fast, and it's got huge traction. But it, it hasn't killed other alternative solutions. It hasn't killed Ethereum. And it hasn't killed uh, all the other newer newer chains, right? Uh, so i think we will we will probably see a mix of all sorts of players in the ecosystem uh in the future but i i definitely do not think these will be uh amazon will be the ethereum killer or solana killer or you know things like that um so um what else oh i also got um a bunch of questions um from people basically essentially asking <laughs> <laughs> what to invest in. <laughs> uh, I'm not here to give financial advices, uh, obviously, and uh, your portfolio allocation depends on your risk tolerance and uh, on what you want to do with your money and your financial goals. Um, all that being said, uh, to me, I, I, I think uh, when, when I look at next year, right, I, well, first of all, it's, it's hard to predict the timing of these things. Um, so instead of saying next year, I would just say next step of development for the ecosystem. Um, I, I think the uh, value accrual, the new value accrual will be in cross-chain solutions and uh, uh, blockchain gaming. Um, and the reason is that if you look at how the ecosystem, how this entire space developed over time, right? Uh, in the very beginning, <laughs> uh, you have things like Bitcoin, which is a uh, uh, which is a political statement, essentially, and it attracted a cult following, and it bootstrapped its own network effect, and it becomes something, even though it doesn't have a quote unquote real world use case. It's but it's a uh, you know you can you can store so-called uh, value store you can uh, put uh, you can use Bitcoin to, to to store your your wealth if that's uh, 
if that appeals to you. So that that's a, a, a very basic level of uh, like a proof concept, proof of concept use case. And then you have these, uh, um, and then you had you had Ethereum, uh, which allowed you to build applications and more complex complex scripts and logics on top of blockchain while still taking advantage of the open source, open public nature, transparent nature, uh, you know, decentralized, uh, uh, you know, benefits of the blockchain, uh, blockchain model. So then you see, uh, in then, then, you know, that, that didn't, for, for a long time, we didn't see long time being a few years, <laughs> uh, which is not that long. Uh, we didn't see like a substantial, like new use cases being built, right? We had like you, you have 2016, 2017, uh, many people try to uh, invent, like uh, explore the space in all sorts of directions, try to find the use cases for blockchain and most of them failed uh, as you would expect. But some, some, some things started to uh, emerge, some actual use cases, which happened, uh, fast forward today, you have two main use cases are uh, DeFi and NFT. So you have a, uh, you have more people, more and more people, uh, being drawn into the ecosystem because of these use cases, which is still not that many, but it has caused a, uh, a lot of growth in the ecosystem aside from the uh, speculation aspect, right? So, um, and then if you, if you suppose like we are at the end of the year and you, if you think, okay, where do we go from here? And I would say, if you look at, you know, uh, the fact that all the, you, you have so many new chains coming up and some of them are getting serious traction, right? Whether it's layer one chains or the upcoming layer two scaling solutions that build on Ethereum um, and other chains will have layer two solutions too, but some of them will get traction. So you have these, all of these different chains, right? Uh, they all have their own little ecosystem be being built and everybody try to get bigger, which they will, at least to some of them. And, and then people will start, and, and then the need for um, building highways uh, will, 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 get, will get stronger uh, as these different chains grow. It's like, if, if uh, in the beginning of the world, when, when you only have one country, uh, you have nowhere else to go, then you don't need any highways. You don't need airplanes. You don't need like uh, ocean liners, right? Uh, you just stay where you are. Um, but uh, when you have more countries in the world, then people start to travel and you, uh, you have uh, the, the need for, for roads, for railways, for uh, for for shipping road uh, routes for ports, uh, grow bigger and bigger. Um, so that's why I, I think you know uh, right now. Obviously, we have like uh, uh, bridges and whatnot that you know you 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 can uh, bridge your assets from one chain to another, um, but none of them are very good <laughs> still, and they're really slow. Um, and they are really kind of uh, precarious, you know. If you try, if you try, I, I think it's a, it's a little better now. Um, a year ago, it was even worse. Um, but still, if you if you bridge an asset from one chain to another, it's kind of a, 
um, psychologically uh, scary <laughs> experience. Um, and if you know <laughs> that that that's 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 just when you are just using the product uh, on the front end, right? As uh, as a user, if you know what's going on in the back end, you're probably more scared. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I, I think so, so but, but the demand for that kind of use cases is going to grow a whole lot once different chains are starting to get traction and you have you know little kingdoms, uh, big, big and small kingdoms springing up everywhere and you will need uh, uh, connect, connected tissues among them. So that's why number one, I think that's, that's, a, that's a use case that's going to grow in, uh, from the infrastructure perspective. Um, so, um, and the number two thing is that aside from NFT, aside from DeFi, what other use cases are we going to see uh, in, in, in the blockchain space? Now, in the future, everything will be tokenized. Uh, that's, what, that's what I believe, you know. Every financial asset, everything that, can, that has a cash flow attached will be tokenized. But what I'm talking about is like, if we talk about immediate next step, what's the use case, I think gaming. Why? Because you already have um, you already have like a, a lot of crypto adopters in the system, okay? Um, who are, who are young, who have like a tech uh, tech savvy, who have a high overlap with the gaming community, um, and also you have this activity that is just like NFT that has meme value, that is fun, that is addictive, that has a, you know, that is very easy to, that, not very easy, but, but it has a setup to get community traction, to get network effect. Uh, like gaming is one of those things that's a, that fit all these criteria. So I think that's why I think that would be the next very natural, um, Use case, use case that will get traction. Now you may say, oh, there is already Axie Affinity. You're talking about yesterday's traction. But no, I, I, I really seriously think you haven't seen anything yet. You know, Axie Infinity is like a, a proof of concept project. And this space is going to get a whole lot bigger. So, um, so, so th that's why I think, you know, gaming will be the next thing. And, uh, uh, so many people are working their ass off <laughs> to build good games on blockchain. And I'm starting to see some that are not so cringy. <laughs> okay. So, which is a good sign. Um, so, uh, but obviously, you know, you have all these other things you have like, uh, um, you know, storage, you have uh, community tokens, you have, uh, you know, bridging uh, off-chain assets, on-chain, you can say, oh, all these are promising use cases. Yes, they are, okay? But if we are talking about a time frame of when these things will actually get, um, get, get, get traction, I think the gaming will be the fastest one among these different, um, but also very promising, promising things. Okay, so, um, that's all for today. I will talk to you next time.